0: Barrow is not funny as Step Brothers, he's cringe as fuck, and no right normal human being in their mind, if they had 40 year old children still living with them, would absolutely fucking allow that. The entire premise of the movie of Step Brothers is fucking stupid and unwatchable.
1: Who touched your
2: drum set this morning?
3: <laughs>
2: Put some balls on Benner's drum set.
3: Welcome to Plaster Negotiations, where none of the debates are legally binding. I'm your host, Mike Stotes. If this is your first time tuning in to Plaster Negotiations, we cover sports and some other news bits while consuming adult beverages. Topics don't really get harder to debate, but the panel's ability to speak English does. And, you know, I have no idea who I'm calling on after, you know, getting through, you know, the second segment. So that makes it even more fun. With this in mind, let's hear, let's meet our panel. And hear their opening statement, starting with a combination opening statement by Benner and myself, and then we'll follow up with uh, our designated debater's uh, punishment, Caleb Chesney. But first, Benner, let's bring the mood down. Talk to us about what you want to talk about for our combined opening statement. Well...
0: Going to the third week in a row of me bringing um, some music slash rock and roll fact, Um, it comes to the truth that not everything that happens in the world of rock and roll is fun, shocking, or just outright hilarious. Yeah, there's some pretty there's some pretty dark shit, and we're gonna talk about a very very dark very dark three days um, back in the summer of 1999 um, when the music industry tried to recreate Woodstock for a second time um if you know if, if you're interested there's a new documentary on netflix called train wreck Wood- woodstock 99 the basically the whole thing dives into just the how, how, just dives into every single little issue that happened at this 3a festival whether it was the like the 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 talent itself the 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 stage setup, the um, the promoters, the environment, the vendors, the crowd. I mean, there's so many things where the start off. I mean, the the first thing I think to look at where this the look at where this entire festival was gonna go wrong um, was just who they booked to perform this festival. Um, if you know 1969 the original Woodstock was the, the Woodstock and art festival it was promoted as three days of love and peace. Which it was. I mean, if you look at who the who performed at this festival, Jimi Hendrix, The Who, Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane, Santana, so many people. It, it was a pure hippie festival, but it was, a, it was people gathering together to just enjoy each other, enjoy art, enjoy music, pr- uh, protest against the Vietnam War. And it was a very, like, it was the, honestly the most prime example of just peace and gathering together. This entire thing, they tried to promote... Or the, I can't remember his name. The founder of Woodstock came back and said, like, hey, we should do something in 99 because there's been an uproar in gun violence. You know, the, the Columbine shooting just happened. They're like, you know, we want to do something to try to protest against um, the, the violence and the chaos that's occurring in the late 90s of America. Went to the vendors and they're like, yeah, well, you know, let, let's do this. You know, let's, let's put something on. And then uh, then came in the, the, the one and only John Shearn, who I'm sure Stotz is going to have some choice for words from him, but this dude is an absolute piece of shit. Um, he's like, well, you, you know, I'm going to get the biggest and baddest talent that we're going to have. Let's look at the list. Remind me, they were trying to promote Peace and Love again uh, for this second fr- festival. So they picked, um, I'm just going to run down this list of just random names on the seat. Uh, the Umbilical Brothers, Buck Cherry, Insane Cl- Insane Clown Pots, <laughs> uh DMX the offspring corn uh ice cube everclear uh, the chemical brothers kid rock Metall- metallica
3: Limp biscuit
2: uh, Ew be fair icp and kid rock have the same fans you're not really bringing anybody together there <laughs>
3: but are they fans that are all for love and no, peace no. and music <laughs> uh let's keep go- let's
0: keep going godsmack megadeth creed and then i mean can you
4: check me oh, wow.
0: and creed
3: yeah. <laughs> creed was really the only band here that bought into the whole well piece the, and music at least no, a little a little bit there's a, a couple little. of i'll give a credit you know the red hot chili peppers were
0: at this festival they could buy into a little bit uh willie nelson sure yeah. uh cheryl crow jewel they bought into a little, a little bit but like you look at this list, this just entire list just absolutely spits late 90s frat bow. We're gonna fucking trash and party. None of this says peace and love. Um, and so that you know that goes into it, and then we get in the is um the god of soul himself, James Brown. He's go, he's, the, he's the first act of the show. He shows up, his band's warming up, he's just standing there. He, well, they they call him out, they introduce him, he refuses to go on stage. Why? Because he had no fucking contract. John Shern had no contract for the opening after Woodstock 99 and basically told James Brown, Fucking perform. I'm not fucking paying you. It's
2: disappointing. Mm-hmm. Juggalos love James Brown.
0: <laughs> so well, he did it.
3: perform.
2: He did go yeah, out.
0: He did end up performing, which is immaculate for who James Brown it was. Um, but you know, that just started the absolute train wreck as they continued as they basically um sold the rights to every little fucking thing. It was an absolute capitalistic advertising situation, the complete opposite of what Woodstock is supposed to be. Um, the, the vendors were charging out the ass. I think it was like twelve dollars for a pizza, nine dollars for a hot dog, um, five dollars for a bottle of water. That was and like let me Fenway Park. Let me clarify again. This was 19, 1999. 1999. So five dollar water bottle and nine water bottle in like 1999 That's is so probably it was like <laughs> Oh, probably almost close to ten dollars into today's economy. So these outright god-awful prices. Um, you know, then that was one of the biggest parts, you know. Then it's just like there was this, they were doing things that made no sense. I mean, for example, like once the shows once the and each performance ended for the day, it's like, oh, we're not done. We have a rave hangar because they built this entire festival on an old air force base in Rome, New York, and all the hangars, all the facilities were still there. And so they took one of the hangars and confirmed it into um, a, a, a legit rave party that went all night long until the next show started the next day. People were doing drugs left and right, and all of this. And it's just like there was little things like this makes absolutely no sense why you're doing this. Um, the next day was when everything started to go to the shit because temperatures got up into the triple digits. They were averaging from 103 to 105 degrees and just, you know, on an Air Force base, it's pure concrete, so there's no shade. There's nowhere to go. People were absolutely cooking.
3: Um the 4 and $5 dollar waters for sale.
0: Yes, all the... And fun fact, they couldn't buy any more water because all the ATMs ran out of money, so no one could get any cash to pay the vendors. Uh, all of the water fountains on site ended up, you know, the pipes started bursting and ended up be- the water becoming ca- contaminated, so no one could drink the water. Uh, so people were becoming dehydrated sitting in the middle of the heat, and it was absolute fucking chaos. Things just, I don't, I don't even know, like, so am I missing thing on day two? Not, not yet. Um, I mean then we get into you know oh Limp Biscuit. This is where this oh they suck and this is where it starts to go to shit majorly. And I mean major like like when I said like it gets worse and worse and worse, it gets worse and worse and worse. Corn like before Limp Biscuit, corn performs, corn gets this crowd riled up. Actually, no. Corn performed on the end of the first night, got the crowd riled up. So they're like already antsy. Then the hundred and three degree heat happens. People are like pissed off now, throwing water balls, throwing shit at the stage because they're just pissed off in the heat. And then Limp Biscuit performs. And as shitty as Limp Biscuit is, he knows what he's good at, and that is getting the crowd absolutely fucking riled up. I thought that I was
3: giving herpes to people. That's that's number two. That's number two. <laughs> number one that probably is- also happened that night too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This, we'll man, riled up, no? <laughs> this man,
0: like before every other song, was like, break fucking shit. Let's fucking fire Let's fucking get riled. And so this crowd, pissed off and angry, just gets even more riled up. They end up to start tearing apart the stage, um, start knocking down camera towers, audio towers, stuff like this, and just absolutely tearing anything apart. The the the, the um the concert employees that were working in like the main tower in the center, they put a sign up called the Alamo and they named that the Alamo because all of these fans started just like climbing up and start trying to like pull them out of the tower, tear down the tower and all of this. And then here's Limp Biscuit saying like break shit, tear up shit. And they ended up like pulling wooden planks off the stage and the stage falling apart. Limp Biscuit's doing crowd surfing on a standing up on plywood in the middle of the crowd.
3: The plywood that was pulled down from this middle, like audio tire tower, the Alamo. It's which it's, really Fred Durst is going to do that.
2: He's jump like, off passive. of it. Such a fine that young was,
1: man.
0: Yeah.
3: There's no way. Oh yeah, fine uh, young man, fine young man.
1: And
0: then it got worse because because the back. Uh, I don't know. you do you really go from here? Because I have a hard time talking about what happened in the rave hanger
3: night two. Oh, where they yeah. So they decided. Uh, Well, some people got a hold of a an SUV and started driving it into the rave hanger, which was wall to wall full of people. Um, So at this point, you're probably thinking, well, they should have hired better security. Um, Fun little tidbit that we left out about the security at this event. Uh, Basically, uh, there was no background check. They just went to folks who looked like they might be security guards and like, hey, you want to make 500 bucks and go to Woodstock 99 for free? And they're like, yeah, sure. And another thing that ended up happening with that was the people that were recruited to do security would take their security credentials and security shirt, sell them for another 500 bucks to other people. And that way, those people got all this access and just kind of went to the festivals. That happened with most of them. And then after that, after probably the first day or so, about half of them started to just be like, fuck it, we're just going to be festival goers. And we have unlimited access to everything.
0: So yeah, by, by day two, there's just... It's it comes to like a Lord of the fly situation, every person for themselves. Um, like like so said, vehicle is rammed in. They're not rammed, but driven into the the rave hanger. Um, so they finally, the people who work at the festival finally said, like said, like, Hey, we need like we're not going to keep the rave's not going to keep going if this car if this SUV's still in there." So they get to the SUV, they open up the doors, they see the driver, the dudes high off his goddamn mind obviously has no idea where he is they pull him out they open up the back door Uh and this is where everything starts going to shit is they basically found like, found another man on top of a, uh, a girl that was maybe 15 or 16 years old and you without, without going into detail on this podcast you can kind of basically see what was happening she was passed out you get the, the gist of that So this is where, like, they honestly should have shut down this festival at this point because there was just no – there was no ethics, there was no control or anything like that. And then day three happens, and everyone's like, fuck it, destroy. And so the entire final day of the festival, the concert goats are just destroying everything. They don't even care about the performers anymore. If there are performers on stage, they're throwing – um trash at them they're throwing like pieces of the stage at them and said like fuck you fuck you and it's so bad then it gets to the final um the final performance of the night which is the red hot chili peppers and this is where they're like this is where they try to make it like hey here's the love and peace is as i mentioned before they were doing this concert as to um like protests against gun violence so they um a nonprofit group i can't remember the name of the group Came out and handed out lit candles for everybody, and they were going to be lit during the Red Hot Chili Peppers set, so everyone could do it as a protest.
3: It was a candlelight vigil for the victims of the Columbine shooting, which happened a couple months earlier.
0: Thank you, thank you. Um, And so, at first, at first, I was like, "Oh, this is this is nice because you know, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing under the bridge. It's pretty calm, nothing I control." Then you look out into the crowd and. Um. Someone had decided to start a bonfire. They and then they, one fire popped up after another. Basically, the crowd just started setting shit out, set, set, taking the shit that they had torn down and broken down, put in the pile, and just set it on fire. And so then now there's this open giant flames rising throughout the crowd of I think two hundred thousand people. Um, at this point, it becomes an all out riot. Cops had to be called in to get everyone calmed down. It's just absolute chaos. And no one, because of this, like you're never going to see another Woodstock ever again. Pe- so many people hurt. So many sexual assaults occurred. It's just an absolute chaos. And it is, when it comes to festivals, it is one of the darkest times in music history, especially in, in the nineties. And it makes what happened with the fire festival, just a fucking walk in the park.
4: Yeah. And the bit. So, yeah. Go for it. I was, was going to say plot twist. I did a little research. while Ryan was talking. Billy McFarlane is born and raised in New York <laughs> in 1991. I bet you he was there. I, I yeah.
0: mean, I don't think eight year old Billy McFarlane was there.
4: <laughs> well, this probably, I, got, I don't know. This probably what got in started to be a piece of shit. And then this probably led to the prerequisite of, uh, of what would be fire festival
3: yeah yeah so to kind of conclude our our joint statement I'm going to talk a little bit um thanks Ryan for the the background overview and commentary etc uh but talking a little bit more like wide worldly you know why should we care about something that happened in 1999 um eh, I've been a teacher for a long time now and one of the things that we teach in event management is literally every do everything the opposite of what woodstock 99 did and you should have a decent festival look at coachella it launched a couple of months later and it's still around big time festival bringing in millions if not billions of dollars in revenue every year but going back i'm, I'm just gonna end it you know uh, our joint statement with a quote from the absolute piece of shit john sure okay so he's one of the promoters and organizers of woodstock 99 um there was another documentary done last year on hbo available on hbo max woodstock 99 peace love and rage that fits so sure in that documentary was quoted as saying um when asked about um some of the incidents that were occurring uh, by a journalist with Rolling Stone quote, there is no question that a few incidents took place. But if you go back in the records of the police and state police and stuff, we're not talking about 100 or even 50. We're talking about 10 here. He's referring to sexual assaults. I am critical. And this, again, was filmed end of the 2010. So about 2019. I am critical of the hundreds of women that were walking around with no clothes on and expecting not to be touched. Oh, my God. They shouldn't have been touched. I condemn it. But, you know, I think that women that were running around naked, you know, are at least partially to blame for that. Such a
1: boomer mentality. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Shoot him, Shoot him please.
1: Shoot I, wouldn't even him. Say it's, I wouldn't even say it's boomer mentality. I just say it's piece of shit mentality. It's
3: also, well, worth that's th- what I mean
1: by boomer mentality. You know, I'm just not huge on old people.
3: <laughs> mm. It is worth noting that um, <laughs> one member of uh, the Red Hot Chili Pe- Peppers came out and played the whole set completely nude. And it was a dude. So, you know, like in 2019, you, you can't say those things, kids. And you really can't act in that way. So anyways, if you haven't seen it, the uh, Woodstock 99 documentary series. It's a three episode thing. It'd be great to do over the weekend sometime on Netflix. If you want some additional information and to see uh, DMX leading a crowd of entirely white fraternity folks and saying the N word a lot, watch the documentary series on HBO Max. Um, RIP DMX. It was a very weird thing. Now, let's get the show back on track. I think Caleb owes us something, because if I'm correct in remembering, he lost last week. And according to the notes, he has to chug an entire thing of cucumber Gatorade. Lime cucumber Gatorade. Ooh, okay, fancy. You got some salt for that, too? I I wish.
1: Um, Let's try to see how many fluid ounces are in here. Uh, so per serving, it's 12, but there's 2.5 servings in here. So I'm going to guess guesstimate about 30. That sounds Wait. right. Yeah, close enough. But before I chug this thing, um, we had a big birthday this week. Cade's uh, dad turned 45. <laughs> and I find it a little weird that he's not wearing the jersey, but I am. But... You know, it's whatever, uh, Kate. I just wanted to say happy birthday to your dad. Make sure he gets that message from me. Uh, yeah, thanks, bro. I'll I'll tell him on the private jet. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. So without further ado, um,
3: chug it, chug it. Yep, I chug watched it.
1: Brady on uh, Stephen Colbert from a couple years ago when he chugged that thing of beer. Um, I imagine that that is easier than this. All right, it's open. I really
4: hope you like pre-planned this and like did like a hole in the bottom or something to help nope, make
1: it it's fucking easier face. straight up and oh, just to, for the photo evidence here
3: I, I love it we've taken the worst shots in the world on this fucking show and we're all cringing at cucumber lime Gatorade zero oh my god this smells awful <laughs> all right, watch
0: let's... him like watch
3: watch him like it Chug Right, it. Chug <laughs> it. oh I
2: guess i lost again <laughs>
3: Oh, man. Oh, oh. God. oh, Let's go. Let's go. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> it's just, yes. This, this, looks,
0: this looks rougher than trying to on a beer.
3: <laughs> that first sip, I thought he was done. Oh, he's near in the end, folks. Oh, my oh. God. Look oh, look. At... Was...
1: Wasn't as bad as that was going
3: to
1: be, but. Like... <laughs> I probably would have hated the flaming Hot
3: Mountain do more. Okay, well, we'll do that next time, then. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> cool beans. Let's move along. Uh, Cade, you going to wish uh, uh, Tom Brady a happy birthday?
4: Fuck no. Absolutely not.
3: Oh, my God, I'll,
4: my i hurts. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll wish him a happy birthday when they lose to the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl.
3: Okay, so what's your opening statement? Roll with it.
4: All right, hey, boy, yeah.
3: Okay um yeah so
4: uh been a good week uh training camp still rolling yada 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 i'm gonna get to a point i'm gonna get this over with because this has been bothering me the last two days and and i don't know why it's just really pissed me the fuck off um i don't know if anybody else has seen it on twitter there's been a car crash in
1: L. A. Has anybody else seen that video? I've seen I've seen like four different L. A. Crash videos this weekend. So. <laughs> there's, a, there's
0: always a car crash in L. A. Like, are you talking about the one? Okay. Are you talking, I, I,
1: Are you talking about the one with the guy in the curry jersey? No. Did oh, it involve okay. I'm Super? talking about the
4: one. It was so it's at an intersection and cross traffic is moving and the camera is. Oh, coming. and then the car
1: gets on lights on fire when it, when it goes through.
4: Yeah, this car was yeah, yeah. going yeah, yeah. over 115 miles an hour. And never even attempts to to stop. Not even one. Like, it, it's it's so. not, it like in the camera, it's not hit, cars tumble, then fire. No, it's just straight fire. And over, I, I think they've already kind of like six people have died already. And, and several others injured. I know that there was a, a, a pregnant lady died in it. And I'm just curious, what the fuck is so goddamn important for you to do that? what is out there that is so fucking important for you to do that? It, it's just ridiculous. Like People who just can't drive and just don't care about other people, it, it pisses me off, and I'm sorry. I know that, That's probably a bad way to start the show. Actually, I don't know, Ryan. I think your
1: way of starting was pretty worse. But Honestly, me <laughs> chugging the Gatorade is the happiest part about this opening. I've enjoyed it, 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 it really is.
0: We've gone from a three-day music festival of fucking nightmares to... Absolute fucking carnage in the LA streets.
1: Yeah. Fuck. I sent the link in the group chat if anybody wants to
3: see yep. Oh, oh good that. lord. Yeah. What
1: the
0: hell yeah. are you doing? So, yeah. So that, that's it's how playing the Henry Rudd
3: simulator. Think... Is that what that is? <laughs>
2: <does>? Madden 23. <laughs> right. Speed <laughs> kills, baby. <laughs> oh
4: yeah. my no. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, but anyway, so there, there's my opening take. Be smart, people. It's not that important. I, I really don't care. It, it's not that important to go crashing through six other cars.
3: No, no, it really isn't. And, uh, Kate, if you want to
1: see the one about the guy in the Curry jersey, I also have that link, but it is very, very bad. Uh, Just send it to yeah. me, then, if you don't want to put it in the group chat. Yeah, send it to everybody. <laughs> to everybody. All right, so, uh, Jeremy... Uh, I don't mean to take the reins from you, Stokes, but I'm trying to get past this as fast as possible. Jeremy, how was your week?
2: <laughs> uh, my week was great. You know, this uh, this 30-minute opening statement that we're into here, I'll go ahead and cut mine super short. One update from last week, our boy Blood Diamond lost 0-2 in the UFC. Ooh. But my my opening statement is essentially this, right? College athletics have been hindered by COVID. It's taken a lot of funding away because the first thing that happens when you lose money as an institution because there's way too many schools out there is you cut sports, right? And so what's happening now is we're getting to a point where the student athlete experience is being compromised by that. So my call out and my shout out and my opening statement here is for athletic programs at the collegiate level that don't want to fund a sport to do it properly, just do everybody a favor and cut your damn sport. If you're not willing to pay your coaches, you're not willing to pay a full-time assistant, you're not willing to give the student athletes the experience they should have by choosing to come to your school. Just go ahead and cut your sport altogether. So mine's like I said, super short, so
3: we can get on. Let's just go ahead and move forward here. Let's I appreciate get into you, it, Jeremy. Let's get into it. All right. Following last week's NFL preview show, first week of training camp has been somewhat noteworthy. Let's start with. Caleb, because you're chomping at the bits after all them electrolytes. What's the most important NFL storyline you're following after all the news coming out this week from various training camps?
1: God, I had this set up and then the lime cucumber took over my brain. Um, uh, I guess first things first, uh, I am very interested to see what ha- what is the fate of one James Richard Garoppolo. Uh <laughs> There's there's nobody in the league that needs a QB and he's not he's he's like practicing with the Niners but he's not. There's in the of the teams in the league that need a QB. There's no teams in
2: the league that need Jimmy G.
1: Name name a team that doesn't have a quarterback that's not Seattle.
2: Uh, it's not Seattle. There's a bunch from out there. Carolina has three that can't
1: throw football. Carolina 15. committed their resources to Baker Mayfield. That that doesn't mean it. that they don't still need a quarterback. Miami, Miami would be great. Miami would be great. Is the
2: that New New York Giants, for AA? the New York Jets, the Washington Commanders.
1: These are all very casual. Very dirty. Dirty. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, the Jets QB is going to be uh, more interested Joe in the mom section. So um, this continue.
1: One, one storyline is uh, Joe Flacco is outperforming Zach Wilson in training camp. That is very interesting. Um, yeah, because Baker... the women that they're
2: sleeping with are more age-appropriate for him, so obviously it's not rattling him quite as much.
3: Don't um, wear blue hands.
1: One, Baker Mayfield. Uh, sorry, Ryan, is uh, terrible in camp so far and is being outperformed by Matt Corral and Sam Darnold. Uh, it's not going well for that quarterback competition. And... Um, Yeah, I'm still very terrified of being a Patriots fan in 2022 because I still don't know who's calling plays. I think it's Matt Patricia, but I don't want it to be. Hmm. Um, And and I guess the the last thing to uh, tie it all off here, um, I'm very interested to see who becomes um, Aaron Rodgers' best friend when, you know, One of his wide receivers decides to get in the inside track and become his wide receiver one when they go take psychedelics with him.
3: Mm. Damn, you stole my thunder with the most important storyline across (laughs) the NFL, which is uh, a no-shocker story that Aaron Rodgers does. It it really was. So I'm just going to take it from here. Uh, The most important NFL storyline is that uh, Aaron Rodgers is doing psychedelics. That's not the most important part. The most important part is the shock and awe of the media. Like, how the fuck didn't you guys see this one coming? Really? Really? He
2: was at the training camp looking like Nick Cage from Con Air. You don't think he's doing psychedelics at that point?
3: Dude, he totally was fucking doing shrooms when he was walking in there. Was... No wonder he had an MVP season. He could literally see into the soul of the defenders and knew who was only half-assing it. So, <laughs> I, still with... want an an-
0: I still want an answer why he just dropped the bag
3: walking in the camp in that video. <laughs> I, cause his ghost Butler was supposed to take care of it. You know, you really got to keep up with these psychedelic things, Ryan, but uh, let's, let's go to you because you fucked that one up so bad. Oh, what whatever. is the most important storyline that you're following from NFL training camps after the first week?
0: Uh, for me, it's going to be how long it takes Josh Daniels to absolutely fuck up in his second tier as a head coach. Uh, I have zero faith in that man being capable of leading a fucking team. I've seen it for two years, front and, front and center um, for because i am that person i had the hall of fame game on thursday night when i was just doing i was games. working or else i
1: would have watched it too
0: I, I wasn't really watching i just had it on while i was working on some other stuff um and every time i looked at my like the raiders make a mistake and again this is the hall of fame game so you're really only seeing like third and fourth string players going and i just see Josh McDaniels throwing it on golly fit screaming at people on the sideline i'm just like Jesus Christ, dude! You haven't fucking changed since two, since the
1: late 2000s. So to me, it's the only time he wouldn't scream at players is if Tom Brady was around, because Tom Brady would do it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: But so yeah, for me, it's just gonna be how long is it gonna take for McDaniel's to sink the ship that is the Las Vegas Raiders? Um, and I'm gonna enjoy watching it so very much.
3: J.K. While I'm on what is the most important NFL training camp storyline that you are following?
4: Yeah, the two that I'm following right now, <clears throat> uh, one is how much Trey Lance has kind of taken over as, I mean, obviously they, they announced him as QB1, but I wasn't expecting him to be as good as he actually is. Um, I, I didn't really know like what to expect. I just didn't know he'd be doing as well. Uh, but just from the statements from like his wide receivers and his tight ends, um, saying that he's actually doing pretty well, and then now that they've actually got uh, Debo Samuel back in. Uh, apparently he's been doing pretty well. so uh, I'm kind of curious as like Caleb said of like what's gonna happen with uh, with Jimmy G. I was actually gonna say uh Seattle needs a QB, but then he said like name a team without <laughs>
1: naming but it, like Seattle is the only one that like really makes sense, but I think they're just gonna tank and say, oh hey, here's Bryce Young at pick one and then go and take like the fourth quarterback on the depth chart like you know Tyler Van Dyke or something because that's what Seattle does.
0: I mean, I think the I think the more just obvious thing that you look at, because like like Jeremy listed a number of a good handful of teams that do legitimately need a quarterback. I think yeah. that you just I think you just need to look at the one that's like who can actually afford it right now. This this late in well, the off season, Jimmy G's not
1: not um, making that money
0: this year. I know yeah. he's 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 on the back end of his contract, but it's still. Uh, what, what what I what I mean, Caleb, is at this point almost every single team what they have left in their cap space is being reserved for any emergencies like receivers getting hurt, people out for season any injuries, and we need to, like, sign someone off waivers. So well, that's
2: – And the issue with Jimmy G is he's not versatile. He's very much a one-trick pony. He is a mm-hmm. drop-back quarterback in a game that is going to the athlete. I mean, you look at Jalen Hurts who can't throw the football 15 yards but is a starting quarterback because he's an athlete. Jimmy G doesn't have that. So how many systems does he realistically fit into? One, San Francisco, because all you do in that system is turn around and hand off the ball, throw it seven times a game.
3: New-age wing T right there. Cage, you got anything <laughs> apparently, else to add?
4: I was going to say, apparently, uh Tua Tongvaloa can apparently throw the ball now. Uh Oh, and he got married, apparently. Apparently, he's oh. upset about it because the, the news reported it, and he's not happy about it. But welcome to yeah. be an NFL player, pussy. Real. Yeah, uh, no kidding. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, final, final thing is, although they're already a dumpster fire, it just doused some gasoline on it. the The Carolina Panthers have, I think, six injuries already. Well, no five injuries and then one retirement right before. There's the always
3: something with that with that team, <laughs> dude. <laughs> your favorite fan base, yeah. CJ, really.
4: CJ Henderson out, Uh Rashawn Melvin retired, Terrace Marshall Jr. and Deontay Brown out. Marquise Haynes, I want to say tore his ACL. He got carted off. I don't know. It's a knee injury? They haven't. I don't think they've made any reports yet. But he's another big one out. Like, what the fuck are they doing? Jesus Christ! Do they just need to put them in bubble wrap for practice? God dang! But yeah, they're a dumpster fire, and it just got worse.
3: Hey, yeah, you're finding out who spent the off season drinking. Wonderful. They Thanks, kid. A,
4: they probably give all their players lime,
3: cucumber lime, cucumber
1: caterpillar. The aftertaste is so. Good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: it's horrible. Like I need to brush my teeth again.
3: Nice, nice. Well, we're almost to break. You have that opportunity, Jeremy Phelps. Wrap us up. What are What's the most important NFL training camp storyline you're following after week one? You
2: know, a couple of things. One, for me, I got to kind of agree with Benner here in the whole Josh McDaniels thing. So if you look at Jacksonville, they didn't even play Trevor Lawrence or ETN, right? Meanwhile, Josh Jacobs played two series in the Hall of Fame game. Why are you playing the most legitimate player on your roster for two series in the Hall of Fame game? You have three more games, three more preseason games. Those don't even matter.
1: Two. Why? Or do, do they have three because it's the Hall of Fame game?
2: Hall <laughs> so Hall of Fame you... game, you get an extra. So they have okay. four. Everybody else has three. So okay. they have three more. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, you know, going with that, I mean, I agree with everybody about the dumpster fire that is Carolina. However, um, you know, I think there's a better QB battle that nobody's brought up yet because it's a really important story that for me is probably the most important storyline. Uh, Gardner Minshew, the second, everybody's favorite NFL quarterback. Uh, what he did this off season, I don't know if anyone's aware of this or not, but he bought an old prison bus, drove it down to Boca Raton, Florida, because that's where the Eagles strength coach lives full time in the offseason, parked it in the yard of their Eagles strength coach and spent the entire summer living at the strength coach's house in a prison bus to get bigger, stronger, faster so he can beat out Jalen Hurts for the starting job this year.
1: So he yeah, honestly didn't need to try that right. hard.
2: Jalen Hurts sucks. <laughs> yeah. So that quarterback battle right there for me is the biggest storyline. And then secondarily, just because it's close to home for me as a Texans fan, um, John Mechie actually just came out and announced that he was just diagnosed with leukemia. He's going to miss the entire season, which is you know really tough for a team that's already down. But how many games does Lovey Smith make it into the season before he gets canned? I don't think it's very many. I think like four or five he's out. And John Metchie going down is a huge, huge reason for that as well. They're I know four. who they're going mean, to hire after
1: they, after they fire Lovey Smith.
2: I mean, they could hire uh, – No, Kansas I know who Smith the pick is. John and it'd probably be better than Lovey yeah, Smith. Yeah,
1: Josh McCown. Before. That's the pick. <laughs> or, they wanted them last year. They've or, interviewed them. They've
2: or Gary Kubiak or any coach that's ever been in Houston for that matter. Um, uh,
0: Gary Kubiak would not wanted a
2: job and they said no, let's give it to David Coley instead. So, you know, they're doing great things there. But those are the big things for me is how long until, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew the second, which keep in mind there is no Gardner Minshew the first, how long until he overthrows Jalen Hurts?
3: <laughs> oh my gosh. So, with all that in mind, and yeah, Gardner Minshew Jr., the 14th, is a good one to end on. Round one is done, and Jeremy's already getting a refill. But, coming up, we'll discuss this week's DOS Boot Topic of the Week, which, by the way, I am enjoying my DOS Boot right now. I hope all of you are as well. Winners and losers of Major League Baseball's trade deadline. You're listening to Plaster Negotiation. Welcome back to Plaster Negotiations, where none of the debates are legally binding. Let's get into our DOS Boot Topic of the Week. Juan Soto was arguably the biggest free agency story this week as my San Diego Padres finally acted like a big boy club and acquired him as well as a litany of other players and sent Hosmer to Boston in a trade that actually kind of worked for everybody. There are many other things that we could talk about with the league, so let's go ahead and get into it now. Benner, <laughs> tell us who won and who lost this year's uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline sweepstakes. I mean, like you said
0: the the obvious the obvious winner is the Padres for just the the. The moves that they pulled off at the deadline, kind of just leaving everyone on the edge there. With like, is this gonna go through? Is this not gonna go through? I know we were texting back and forth about it. Um, if it wasn't for Eric Hosmer's dumb fucking ass holding everything up, um, I w- I actually have two specific losers in mind. Um, the first one for me is is Luke Boyd because the man was the 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 undiable like sacrifice of the Juan Soto oh, trade oh my
3: god because that, of
0: Ho- Hosmer pulling his shit Boyd had to go and he did not want to leave
3: no yeah I miss him already as a Padres fan yeah, thank you good. for your service Boyd it was a fun ride god I hope that you know somehow we can reconcile some some way somehow when your contract goes up with you know Washington anyways continue um,
0: and then the the other losers of the trade deadline, and I'm so sorry because it's just it's getting worse, and that is Rockies fans, um, because RGM is just an absolute fucking idiot. He made two asinine comments um, around the end of the the trade around the deadline. The first one. Um, first thing you should know is the Rockies did not make a single move. They never, they didn't send anyone, they didn't trade anyone. Once again, we are not dealing people that we should deal to build up picks or prospects. So our farm system is just fucked for the for probably the 10th year in a row. Um, but Bill Schmidt, they asked him, you know, to the first question they asked him was like, How does it feel that you are the um, only team that you know did not make a move at the trade deadline? And he's just like, well, I really don't care. I mean, we're also the only team that you know ex- extended a player at the deadline. Um, they extended thirty-seven-year-old Daniel Bard, who has no business being extended. Probably should have been traded. Uh, also to note, they were not the only fucking team that extended um, that extended a player's contract. So fucking right. Lost the Padres their- extended
3: Joe Musgrove, their first uh, no-hit hurler ever. So
2: keep in mind, though, with the Rockies, they're 12 and a half games out of a wild card spot right now and have one pitcher in their entire organization, single, double, triple, or majors, and Kyle Freeland. 12 and a half games out. Trade somebody, bring in somebody that can throw the baseball. Don't take the Cincinnati Bengals approach. to we don't need an offensive line to win football games. No, you need at least two pitchers to win baseball games. And Kyle
3: Freeland being a legit pitcher is, it might be a little bit of a stretch.
2: We, we've not seen good things. Down. Yeah, you haven't the, seen good. Your, uh, trio of hitters with the Padres a couple days ago. Big yeah. 7-3-1 for
0: them. Uh, He ha- Freeland has a glimpse of like legitimacy, like once every ten games, um, yeah. but he hasn't been anything since 2018 when he had was weirdly had enough was finished fourth in Cy Young voting. Um, but he gets the hang around because he's from Denver, you know. Well, so and because
2: he's weirdly their ace, even though he should be their fourth. They're a legitimate team. But God,
0: I, Herman Marquez was yeah. an ace for one year, and then he fell off. I don't even know how to explain all of that. Uh, but the other comment that Bill Schmidt uh, made, they asked him. Um, I, actually, a, a writer for my local newspaper, the, the Carl Springs Gazette, she asked him. It was like you know, looking at like the moves that the Dodgers and the Padres have made. Is it time to change? or adapt the, the philosophy of how you approach building your teams. And he the comment he made is, I think we are who we are. I've said that before. Trying to stay up with the Giants sometimes. You can't do that. We are not financially in that situation. We are going to do the best that we can with the resources we have. Which to me, I just say this. Dick Mumford, sell the fucking team. Sell the fucking team. For the love of God, sell
3: the fucking team especially if he meant that as like the in-division opponent, the Giants, who by comparison are not much better. But like they have the third, I think it's the third highest payroll in the division. And it's like, you're going to compare yourself to the dead middle of this? Oh my God, just awful quote. Glad you brought it up. Jeremy, tell us who won and who lost this year's Major League Baseball trade deadline sweepstakes.
2: I think there's a lot more losers than there are winners. For me, you know, the biggest winner and really one of the only winners is the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, you know, the Phillies right now are a game and a half out of a playoff spot for wild card. And you look at the moves they made. I really like, them. Um, you know, bringing in Brandon Marsh, David Robertson, and then Noah Syndergaard. I think Syndergaard hasn't been himself the past couple of years, but if he can get back to the old form he used to be in about three, four years ago, it's a massive pickup for a team who's surging right now. And, you know, I think those moves are a big part of why. Um, but for me, losers, yes, I 100% agree the Rockies. How do you have four teams between single, double, triple, and majors with zero legitimate pitchers in your organization? More importantly, how do you not trade a mediocre bullpen pitcher right now who at the end of the day, let's be honest, is doing nothing for your organization, is 12 and a half games out of a playoff spot, for a prospect? I don't care if the prospect has one arm and throws with one arm. He can throw better than half the guys on the roster right now. Trade Julie for a freaking washing machine. I don't care. Make a move and bring in a pitcher.
3: Which Um, Major League Baseball during World War II did host a one-armed, I believe, outfielder. So it's possible. we We should also add that a few weeks ago when it was the
0: MLB draft, the two of the top three picks of the Rockies were outfielders.
2: That's what we need.
0: So, when they, it's it's on record that the strength of their of their farm system is everyday positional players, and that they desire, like desperately need to add Straight pitching to their major
2: league roster. Is that the strength of the major league? C.J. Cron can play in the outfield. C.J. Go- can play in the outfield. Bryant can play in the outfield. God. You have nine outfielders on your roster right now. You have zero pitchers. I don't even know who their closer is because, A, they don't get to enough positions to actually have a closer come in and win a game. Oh, it's, thir-
0: it's 37-year-old Daniel Bard that just got a two-year fucking extension.
2: <laughs> Closing out those 37 wins they have this year. But for me, the other big loser of the trade deadline is the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are projected to be the worst team in the league this year. They're competing for a playoff spot right now. I believe they're about a game and a half out of the wild card in the AL. Not only do they not bring in anybody to help their push here, but they actually traded away Mancini. So if you're the Baltimore Orioles, you've – overachieved to the level you have to this point in the season, you're going to throw away the opportunity to potentially make the playoffs. The trade deadline for me, that's an even bigger loser than the Rockies because at least they're not even close to contention.
3: Excellent. Excellent points. All right. McChesney winners, losers, and the MLB trade deadline sweepstakes. I mean,
1: uh, I was doing research right before you, you called my name because I've honestly checked out of baseball season because the Red Sox blow and the Marlins suck. But um, the Red Sox did just get a legitimate first baseman in Eric Hosmer. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're, oh, dick. you're serious. He's a dick, <laughs> but he's better
3: than Bobby Dahlbeck. So I'll take no, it, He whatever. Yeah, he's better than Dahlbeck. He's better than Franchi. And the Padres are still paying part of that salary, too.
1: Yeah, we got him for nothing. So. Um, they just cut Jack. They cut Jackie Bradley Jr. To make room and Red Sox fans are losing their mind over it. But like Jackie hasn't been good since the World Series run. So it's whatever to me. And the Marlins did nothing. They traded. They traded for one of the top shortstop uh, prospects from where was he from? I think it was from Toronto. Um, Jordan Groshans. Um, number 82 overall prospect in baseball. Um, they gave up Anthony Bass, Zach Pop to do it. Um, honestly, both my teams are just a wash, and at this point, I probably won't watch another baseball
3: game until the playoffs start. Mm. So every week we're gonna have baseball talk. Now it's gonna be great. Awesome. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather chug cucumber Gatorade than watch baseball at this point. Okay, cool. We'll go. We'll keep it coming. Just get you a fridge full. We'll get you a branded fridge. It'll be great. That and then on the other side will be the uh, flame and Hot, hot Mountain Dew. <laughs> no, no. You got to do the Gatorade with the flaming Hot Cheetos Chaser. <laughs> Oof. I, I'm okay with this punishment. You suggested that, it. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll change it again at break. That's good. That's good. All right. J.K. Dwilemon, winners, losers in the MLB trade deadline sweepstakes.
4: Yeah, I think everybody knows that the San Diego Padres are the true winners. Um, but I'm going to go with a different answer. Uh, first, I'm gonna start with the losers, um, and I'm glad to say this answer: uh, the Cubs, because fuck the Cubs, that's why. Fuck uh, the Cubs. Absolutely, and fuck Wrigley Field too. Uh, what an traded, awful ha- place. traded half their bullpen away and got absolutely nothing in return, and also in that trade lost their best closure, David Robertson. Like, what are you doing? You already need pitching just as bad as a lot of other teams in the Central, and but you're gonna get rid of your best closure? Are you out of your mind? And no offense to Wilson Contreras, he's a great catcher, he's a great batter, yada yada yada. He doesn't have much longer left and he's definitely going to need his like his contract's going to renew at the end of this year. Why did they not cash in on that? What are you doing? You don't have the you don't have the capital right now because you, he's you actually not he's not that great of a catcher. He side, but, but, but he the, has the, just the, he extension, has, They
0: extension
2: I felt like they needed to push the envelope themselves. <laughs>
4: But, yeah, I mean, so, like, what I'm saying is, like, they should have cashed him in and traded him for something, traded him for some prospects, something. Some team would have picked him up somewhere. Hell, the Braves might have done it just because they care about tradition and got the two brothers together. Fuck, I don't know. Who gives a shit? Um, But, yeah, so they – I'm going to say that they're my biggest losers. Like, they didn't trade for Ian Happ. They, they didn't trade Contreras, even though they both believed truly in their hearts that they were done for. Um, So, that just kind of makes a mockery for them. I'm going to say my winners right now, are uh the seattle mariners and and here's why they traded and got the uh, i'm sorry they didn't even trade they just picked him up uh reigning al cy young um lewis castillo second baseman josh no wait, i'm sorry uh wait who's my bobby ray sorry i'm reading I'm off my notes wrong bobby ray uh cy young winner Luis castillo second baseman jake lamb third baseman kurt Casilli catcher and matt boyd at pitcher and that may seem great yada 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 in their division. They're saying 12 and a half games back. They're probably not going to catch the Houston Astros because they're probably still cheating. Um, but I mean, they do make some good additions here. And if we remember from last year, they made a great run in October to make a push for the playoffs and still got in. So I believe like with the pieces that they still have, and then with the addition of these, that's a great addition to have. Um, but here's where it mostly comes into play there in the wild card from Let's see. The right now, the AL wild card is Toronto with two and a half game lead. Tampa Bay is sitting a half game back. Seattle is sitting a half game back. And then one, two, three, four.
0: That's exactly why Seattle did is they're going they're pushing forward to lock down that wild card spot. They know they're exactly. gonna have a hard, hard time catching Houston, so they're yeah. going into like
4: we're we're going to lock down this wild card spot. And I give them props for doing it. Exactly. They. I mean, swinging for the fences of trying to catch Houston. Probably not it, but I mean, they're at least trying to make a good play here. And they know that Baltimore has a lot of momentum right now. Chicago is Chicago. They win one, lose one, win one, lose two. Cleveland and Boston, the next four teams are three and a half games back. Like they are all right there. It's a close race and they want to make sure that they're ahead of the curve. So props to them for going out and signing four or five good players here to help set themselves apart.
3: Very good. Very good. So to wrap it up, obviously, my big winner is my beloved San Diego Padres of San Diego. Holy crap. I Just going back to the days when Will Myers was the only person who knew what a baseball looked like in the entire farm system slash clubhouse of the San Diego Padres, like them making big-time moves like this, It just warms my heart. I'm very sad to see Luke Voigt go, of course, but we just bolstered up on pitching, got a legitimate first baseman and Josh Bell, who is, you know, for at least the rest of this season is going to be properly compensated. And Juan Soto, you can't say enough about him, of course. All right. I think well for me personally the big loser is anybody who was a christian vasquez fan um i oh yeah i forgot about uh, that yeah red sox deserve a huge l yeah (laughs) like oh my god It, it tore my heart out you know my professional background before becoming one of these sniveling teachers was um in minor league baseball so i saw and bullshitted with Vasquez a couple times here and there, almost every day for a couple seasons, and just seeing him in a Houston jersey, it I, it makes me want to vomit. You know, I saw him take his first at bats as an Astro, and just thought, God, what is going on? What is this hellscape? Why is he in the land of people beating Oscar the Grouch's home? What the trash fuck? can banging? God almighty. So, hey, Here. thanks for all the good memories, Vasquez. I love it that even after he was traded, he was able to take one more BP with uh, the Red Sox the night that he was traded. And, you know, all the considerations and such saying that he will always be a Red Sox. Classy, at least words from um, the Boston organization. But the actions, man, I follow Xander Bogarts on this in that, in his own words, I don't think we, meaning the Boston Red Sox, got any better by losing Vasquez. So happy trails, my friend. Thanks for all the memories. And I'm so glad you got that swing right. Just I hope you forget how to swing again in Houston. That's all. So with that, uh,
4: what did the Padres give up for Hader? For Hader? From Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot.
3: No. It, like, it did they a... did
4: they give him cash considerations, or did they trade players?
3: Uh, it was just a, a straight up trade, uh, for left-handed pitcher Taylor Rogers from the Padres going to Milwaukee. There, that's that's, that's one. More that's thing. what was reported. So that's
0: one more thing you got to look at the Padres with the moves that they made. And before we go into this next segment, is you guys did not have to. Your farm system was not obliterated.
3: No, but we did, <laughs> we did well, lose it, one of the most promising pitchers. Well, but that's okay. I, I I get it. It's it's okay. that one.
0: Yeah, that happy one, trails
3: Gore. Happy trails C. J. Gore, Abrams.
0: Gore is the one that stands out the most for obvious reasons. But outside of that, your farm system was not obliterated like the Yankees was when they brought when they signed uh, traded for Giancarlo.
3: <laughs> right. Right. And so happy about that. But, you know, the first best farm system just means you have a lot of development to do on the uh, the major league level. So mm. anyways, with that, let's head into our last break. But coming up, the gang submits their picks and reasoning for the Alex Moran Player of the Week. And we discuss fantasy football punishments, the best, the worst, however you want to quantify it either way there's a bunch of fuckery occurring you're listening to plaster negotiations where none of the negotiations are legally binding
4: (laughs) almost almost almost
3: Two topics left to cover to decide this week's big loser. Our selections for the Alex Moran Player of the Week and the worst fantasy football punishments our panelists have seen or heard of. But first, we're going to begin with our favorite fake football, a.k.a. fantasy football, punishment picks. From unicorn tattoos to, you know, having to do God only knows what embarrassing act Caleb McChesney give us your favorite or least favorite and the most gruesome fantasy football punishments you've seen or heard of
1: okay so um I got into this uh this fantasy league uh, like right after this punishment was like a thing but this punishment existed so back where I grew up it's this little bumfuck town where everybody knows everybody and it's Basically just one little road that has a sidewalk. And it's it's the it's like your co- conventional small town New England type vibe. Okay. And the the diner that's in this little town ran a fantasy league, and they were all like they didn't put like any money into it, but they were just like psychos. So the last place uh, team in the league would have to would have to buy and dress up in a pink bunny suit from the movie A Christmas Story. And run around with a sign that says "I suck at fantasy football." And fantasy leagues usually end in like I don't know December, January, right? It is freezing cold, <laughs> and the running around in this pink bunny suit with like nothing on underneath, just running around with a sign saying "I suck at fantasy football," whether it was snowing or raining or windy, like for until the until the sun went down. So that was the um, that was probably the worst punishment I've ever heard of, and I'm glad I never had to do it.
3: Excellent. Excellent. All right, Jeremy Phelps, what you got? Worst or best punishment?
2: I got two for you that I like. So one is uh, – I guess I'll go opposite direction here. So one is, as you know, most people in fantasy football leagues are not 18 years old. Most are 25, 30, 40 years old.
1: I know loser I started when I was league, 12.
2: So. <laughs> not saying they don't exist. Simply Man. saying, the loser League has to – sign up on their own dollar to take the SAT, go and sit through the SAT. They have to not only do that, but also have to go full suit and tie with a briefcase and then share their SAT scores the entire league after going with 16, 17-year-old kids and taking what is really like a five, six-hour test now um, and a few hundred
1: bucks. That sucks.
2: So that's one of mine. Um, the other one, Stosi knows this one pretty well, but uh, in May of this year, There is a Kansas man by the name of John Eckerts who lost his fantasy football league and as a result had to try to qualify for the PGA Tour U.S. Open. Uh, He shot a whopping 40 strokes over 112 and is now banned from ever trying to qualify in a PGA Tour event ever again. So for me, those are the two big ones.
3: But essentially, he got to play that whole round for free. Oh, yeah. I, I don't see how that's a punishment. Like, he had a fuck-off round of golf that he could talk about for the rest of his life. I, yeah. A punishment, not so much, but a consequence of the league? Yeah, I could see that. I do like that one. I do. All right, Ryan Benner. What's the most embarrassing thing uh, that somebody has had to do for losing a fake football league?
0: I mean, I've seen so- I've seen some embarrassing ones but like there's nothing that's really stood out to me there's one that like i came across last year and um i just think it's absolutely hilarious and that is the the waffle house punishment oh yeah i
3: haven't heard of this this one's
0: good the waffle house punishment is that if you lose your fantasy football league is that you must go spend 24 hours straight in a waffle house Mm -hmm. but every waffle that you eat it De- you know, decreases your time by one hour. mm mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so I I'll eat, like I'll eat 24 waffles, no problem. It's not mm. as easy as it sounds. It's that. not as easy <laughs> as it Ooh. sounds. I just, I just chugged g- cucumber Gatorade. Don't tell me what's not possible.
3: You're going to chug 24 <laughs> is- of those?
1: It's not it's not
2: that easy.
3: God, my note sheet is just going to be Caleb punishments for like the next six months. <laughs>
1: That, well, the United States United's gonna make me eat like six Belgian waffles at once.
3: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> reduces it to eighteen hours, right? I mean, at, at this, yeah, I mean, but also another punishment
0: I have, I have is one that I, I did in a, was in a league last year. I did not have to do this, but it was um, suggested, uh, and he still hasn't done it. But he has to go to like Macy's and get a calendar shoot done. <laughs>
3: Oh, like, is it is that the one where the guy, whoever lost, they have to do the photo shoot, but like he's all dressed up, but he has to wear a paper bag over his head. No, no, like we told him it's like it's a calendar shoe, and it has to be like specifically in
0: the style of like if it was like a fireman's calendar. Oh
3: <laughs> god, you guys should have the, the paper bag over his head still, so you could just be like <laughs> be all weird with it. It's strange. Wonderful. Excellent. Thanks. Cade, best or worst, whichever way you see it, fantasy football punishments.
4: All right. So I got two answers. I got one that's embarrassing. I got one that's actual physical pain punishment. Um, embarrassment is they had to go and do like a uh, comedy, like stand-up comedy, like talk uh, show, or they had to go and do like a uh, motivational speaker. <laughs> I, I, Imagine I doing that plastered.
1: Yeah, just imagine doing <laughs> yeah. that. Absolutely
4: hung over, <laughs> fucked up. That and I, I personally hate standing up and talking in front of people, so it was just cringe for me. Um, so that would be awful. And then, just straight pain punishment is called Ooh. the beer mile. So oh, oh no, I, I, one of my friends just did it. A good friend of mine just did it. Yeah. So so you start out, you chug a beer, you run a mile, you chug a beer. You run a mile or, I'm sorry, not a mile, uh, a quarter of a mile. I'm sorry. Um, oh, that's different. That's, that's
1: different from what I've heard. No. It's, what, yeah, what, well, Ryan, this are we... you drinking a beer the whole way through?
4: No,
0: no, <laughs> it's not Not a, you run a quarter of a mile, but like you, 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 you shotgun a beer, you do a lap, you shotgun a beer, you do a lap and yeah. you just mm-hmm. run until you run a full mile.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was going. Sorry. I, I was, yeah. I was that was lab, it. So, okay. So, yeah. So that one would be pretty, pretty fucking painful. And then I had one in high school. Where the loser had to call their ex significant other and tell them that they still missed them, <laughs> 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 just to fuck with them. Oh, it turned out so Jesus. bad. Jesus, I'm fucked that... up in so many ways.
3: <laughs> yeah, that one is psychological. Just oh, that's deranged. <laughs> oh, I've
1: got a really bad one. It was, it was one always if nobody else says it.
4: <laughs> it was always fun because they would then possibly have a girlfriend, and so then they'd have to explain it to their already pissed off current girlfriend of why the fuck are you calling your ex-girlfriend and telling you telling them that you missed them
3: okay so here's a follow-up question for the panel um do you tell your current girlfriend in this scenario that before the call or after yes. the call absolutely before, yeah, so before
4: before or else you are fucked. so so if you're logical you call and tell her before but if you are a smart fantasy football, you don't give him that option. Yeah.
1: No, you make him sign the contract It <laughs> says you got to do uh-huh. this before you do that. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You, you
4: can't contact and tell your girlfriend like, hey, like, I have to do this kind of thing.
1: Now, Cade.
0: Yeah.
4: Now, Cade. No, I'm not answering. Who am I calling? Fuck off.
0: No, that's not what I'm asking. I'm giving you a warning right now. Like in our league, everyone has told me to introduce punishments.
4: Oh, yes. Excellent. Oh, man. I got to so I got a good so, one. So,
0: so <laughs> Cade, if you lose this tier...
4: What? What's the punishment?
0: Oh, you're calling her. Which?
3: Which one? No. No. <laughs> I'm not calling. No. No. Absolutely not. No. Absolutely no. not. No.
4: You can fuck that off. Nope. I'll I'll twenty four cucumber Gatorades. Fuck
3: no. No. You can fuck off with that bad energy. This week's loser, Benner. For even a- suggesting that. I don't
0: give a fuck, Keisha. That- I-
3: that is the most awful thing. Oh I will, my God. I will, I will we've said bribe. some offensive shit on this podcast, but that far and old, no. oh is my this, God, is don't this fuck yourself. worse than the ice cream take? Yeah, this is worse than the ice cream take.
0: this, this, is, a, this is a very demonic take by me that I will make a Caller. Nope,
3: you're gonna I'll, be to pay. F- I will
4: bribe whoever's in front of me in the league to let me win that week. Just pull everybody off their bench or off their roster and just have nobody no <laughs> I'm not no, calling that horror.
3: fuck that. You're not. No, we're not doing that. Do not do. Oh my God.
1: I'm not saying God damn
3: it. Benner. All right, <laughs> Caleb, get us back on track. You said you had another. Suggestion. I do
1: have, I do have a punishment because you know, Ryan introduced the, Oh, um, we have to introduce our own punishments in a league. And I said, okay, I thought about it. The loser of fantasy league has to buy a Deshaun Watson jersey and go to a feminist
3: rally. Wow, that's just as fucked up.
1: <laughs> Not making shit. Kate call any girlfriends, though. I'm just saying, Kate has to go wear a Deshaun Watson jersey at a feminist rally and possibly you... get. I think you should out. have I
2: to. You should have to go to a feminist rally
1: and to a massage parlor the same day. You should and have in the, to the same day and wear like, a and Deshaun, and Deshaun, Deshaun Watson jersey. jersey. Here's here's something hilarious though. I just found this out, and I was I thought about it for Alex Moran, but it I think it fits. It, it fits this conversation because we're on the Deshaun Watson thing again. The National Massage Therapist Convention. Do you know where it's being held this year? It's in Cleveland. It's in I'm just Cleveland. My just Last Player of the week right here. Just a hundred feet oh away from god. the stadium. <laughs> oh my god,
3: this is brutal. I don't even want to say my fantasy football punishment now. After say it. this, say it. Say it. it, it, it god, is I should it have not, went first. Does, does it just not
1: match? Ours? No.
0: Well, like, it's, I it's no. not as it's not as evil as me, probably
3: no it, it's a modified one so have you guys heard of the winnie the pooh date punishment no no so basically uh the fantasy football loser has to go on a date with a giant winnie the pooh stuffed bear on valentine's day the next year <laughs> um and, and so I, I wanted to modify this okay so the first one to get of the... an actual bear. It, it is like the titanic with bears on it at that point isn't it um no no uh the modification is pretty simple so this whoever loses the initial agreement is yeah you have to go on a date with a winnie the pooh bear like giant stuffed animal in a very public location um the twist is unbeknownst to the loser like a fake actual date is gonna show up and lose their shit at the uh restaurant for their significant other going out with a fucking winnie the pooh boy uh winnie the pooh doll so that was one you know i saw it initially i was like man you could take this next step further a la um
1: Oh,
0: we, we actually in another like i did a few years ago like we had something similar the guy that lost um he had to go out to dinner and he had to take a blow-up doll
3: yeah yeah same concept yeah same concept just but, add in some like psycho coming in and being like what are you doing taking that fucking poop again no, you, you are, bastard we you also, went to therapy for this
0: you also have to make the, you also have to make that person order honey for the
3: table exactly oh my god (laughs) exactly and just jars of it everywhere
0: can i get some honey for my oh
3: lord (laughs) all right let's move on each week we ask our panelists to find what we call the alex moran player of the week the criteria is simple we're looking for an individual or a group who wants to live their best life, the true backup life, all the glory, none of the work. Jeremy Phelps, who is your nomination for the Alex Moran Player of the Week?
2: Well, McChesney stole it, but my, uh, my Alex Moran Player of the Week this week is the American Massage Therapy Association. Because as McChesney mentioned, not only are they having their convention in Cleveland, but they're having it at the Huntington Convention Center, which is literally in the shadows of the Cleveland Browns stadium, there's a certain level of just, I don't know, common sense and knowledge that go into the world and just understanding of current events. Whoever runs the American massage therapy association clearly does not have it. And so for that reason, for me, that is my Alex Moran player of the week.
3: Nice. Nice. All right. Caleb, because you stole his, who is your Alex Moran player of the week? <laughs> um. So if you follow conspiracy theory
1: news lately, uh, one of the most famous conspiracy theorists of all time, of our generation. uh, One Alex Alex Jones has made the news lately. Um, uh, Recently, the court has ruled that he owes about $50 million in damages to Sandy Hook after saying that Sandy Hook was indeed an inside job and dead kids are actors and, you know, the typical Alex Jones conspiracy stuff. But Alex Jones is not my Alex Marin player of the week. Alex Jones's lawyers is my Alex Moran player of the week because they they incidentally leaked texts that pretty much proved that Alex Jones is a demon. Um, So for the paragraph here from the Washington Post, um, uh, one of their editors, uh, Paul Watson, texted uh, Alex Jones about a story. Um, about COVID-19, where they claimed the hospital was using dummies in a coronavirus ward. The editor wrote that in this in this uh, screenshot, it makes us look ridiculous, as if they needed any help doing that. Um, and added, Sandy Hook all over again. Alex Jones texted back, I get it. So, hmm. Alex Jones clearly knows he's doing evil stuff. But, um maybe the lawyer is trying to prove the incontents for his client and have the case thrown out because Alex Jones is insane and no sane person could take him seriously like Fox News did with Tucker Carlson back in the day but Alex Moran's lawyers that's my Alex Moran player of the week
3: you mean Alex Jones Alex Jones
1: uh, two Alexes yeah
3: oh man hope you got it's, another it's not,
1: Gatorade you ready
3: it, it's not a it's not a
1: great day for uh, for Alexes this week but It is a great day for the rest of us that Alex Jones has to pay $50 million in damages to Sandy Hook parents who he has had harassed, bullied, just thrown at crazy stuff by crazy people. Uh, It's very comforting to see some kind of closure with that. And hopefully he has to pay more um, as this story goes on and on and on.
3: Yeah, because this was the first case um, against Alex Jones. So uh, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a a future teller or anything of the sort, but I really feel like he's going to be retaining new counsel for the future cases. All right. Thanks for that. Cade Weilamon, who you got for your Alex Moran player of the week?
4: Yeah. So in honor of NFL season, right around the corner, my Alex Moran player of the week is our favorite and I've, I'm, y'all can see what I'm doing right now. Our favorite TikToker, Ryan's favorite person, brother, Jackson Mahomes. I hate this fucking kid. I was having a good day. I was having a good <laughs> fucking day. <laughs> I, I did just to day. fucking piss you off, Ryan. I think we can all agree. He is a pain in all of our asses. He does absolutely nothing. And I think I found his net, like his net worth is balancing somewhere in between three to 10 million dollars. Okay. Simply, for, simply for being a piece of shit. God, I hate this fucking uh, kid. So that's why I'm picking him to be my Alex Moran player of the week.
3: Hmm. All right. All right. Ryan, who is your Alex Moran player of the week? And he said this one
1: would piss me off, so I'm waiting.
0: It may piss him off. I'm sorry. I'm just still trying to contemplate that fucking Jackson Mahomes as a net worth of three fucking million dollars. That is uh, insane. That is uh, the
1: true backup life.
0: God <laughs> fucking damn it. I. <laughs> God fucking damn it um
3: well to be fair there was also a leaked memo <laughs> about Alex Jones who you brought up earlier Caleb having you know over 160 million dollars in his bank oh, account absolutely. fluid yeah. cash yeah so yeah. you know I mean three <laughs> to ten million dollars for somebody who goes around and pisses people off for a living and I'm on board with that sorry I didn't mean to steal your thunder Ryan go no, for it. You,
0: no you're you're good I'm just trying to contemplate all the shit fuckery in the world um no my actually um my my alex moran player of the Week is nfl beat writers um and (laughs) i don't and i don't mean all of them i mean specifically certain ones that show up the training camp and tweet out a play-by-play of every little single fucking thing that happens it's fucking training camp i do not care that the fifth string receiver that's going to be working at costco in three weeks got a nice pass you don't have to fucking give us play-by-play we're Week ones weeks away. Fuck. I thought off. he was gonna
1: take issue with my top forty quarterback list. <laughs> oh no, I don't
0: give it. You, 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 Caleb. Here's the thing:
3: when it comes to beat writers, I
0: appreciate you because
3: I'm not really
1: a beat writer. Like am a little different. I'm it's a, I'm more
3: of a, it, It's literally in your bio for one of the websites. It you is work because for. it's
1: lack of a better title. I'm considered the Patriots beat writer, but I'm not actually like allowed to go to practice and be an interview. But that, better. but that,
3: but that's a beat
0: writer well, general. Not all beat writers are allowed to go to practice, but a beat writer is still an independent that writes about that team. And so that's why, like, I'm not coming at you. I'm coming at the ones that do have access to fucking practice. And they're like, oh, third third string receiver caught a nice pass on the sideline in one on one drills. Who fucking cares? Let me know.
2: The, like, the less the less beat writers you're going to have in Patriots practice, the better. Because then when Bailey Zapp goes out there week one, the world won't see it coming. You don't want that pre-scout.
0: I mean, for me, for me uh, this past week, Tim Patrick of the, of the Darren Broncos tore his ACL. What I found – you know how I found out is I had fucking – on Twitter, I had like seven to ten different beat writers all say, Tim Patrick, nice catch, mine and ACL. Tim Patrick, nice oh my- catch, mine and ACL. Okay, <laughs> guys. I need one person.
3: Probably the best ones are the ones that retweet the initial guy who said that, who's sitting three seats away. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, yeah, thanks for that. Here's a hot dog. Like, come on. Yeah, I agree yeah, but, with you. But
4: if it wasn't for beat writers, we wouldn't know about wide receiver six. You know, toasting Trevon Diggs at Dallas right now.
0: True. Ooh, I, well, I mean, we I, you right? We may not, but at the same time, I give credit to the local news that showed that highlight here in Dallas. Oof. <laughs> So yeah.
3: <laughs> a tweet's one thing; the visuals are another. That's for sure. That's for sure. All I right.
4: Saw Trevon Diggs like took down his Twitter or something like that because people were yeah, getting he tired. He's, he's getting tired of getting Twitter, tagged yeah. in the videos.
0: <laughs> you want you want to talk about someone on NFL that had a horrible week on Twitter? Did anyone see what happened to to Leonard Fournette? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Now
3: explain it for the audience.
0: Well, the audience may not like me. So Leonard Fournette, um, after like when he showed up the can, he showed up massively, like out of shape and was
2: overweight.
0: Yeah, like he a oh, running back, he was overweight. Um, and so his after when all this started coming out, he made one comment on Twitter, and it was like, "Y'all talking? Uh, I'll see you on September 11th." Obviously, September 11th is week one of the NFL. Um, but everyone took it, and it was just like, "What do you mean by that?" Like, what's happening on September 11th, Leonard?
3: Oh. <laughs> what do you know?
0: What do you know? Someone, like, the first, the first comment I saw is someone posted a picture of George W. Bush when he found out about 9-11. Oh.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. That hurts so much. So, so many levels.
0: So legitimately, Leonard Fournette did nothing wrong. And he was saying, like, I'll see you week one. But he said, I'll see you on September 11th. And t- here's Twitter. What do you know, Leonard?
1: Use different you, terminology. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that Leonard?
3: Oh, just, just, just say week one, just say week one. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to say that. Okay. We're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on. Uh, so my pick this week, um, we're going to dive into something completely different from the NFL. Um from massage therapists and some TikTok fucker and Alex Jones. We're going to go with Iron Chef America and an Anthony Bourdain, no reservation star, Cesar Casella. I'm probably saying that wrong, who is a Michelin star winning Italian chef, appeared on both of those shows, did pretty well. Um, The reason that this individual is my nomination for the Alex Marion Player of the Week this week is Kaseya is opening up a, and I'm not saying this wrong, fancy (laughs) feast-inspired restaurant. Let me say that again. Uh, A fancy (laughs) feast-inspired restaurant. For those of you who uh, maybe have never shopped in a walmart in america fancy feast is a type of cat food okay so like food that you would open from a can and give to your fucking cat okay so it's a two-day pop-up italian style trattoria and culinary experience called gatto bianco by fancy feast that will let Actual, honest to fucking God, human beings try goddamn cat food in public with all of their fucking friends on August 11th and 12th. It's in New York City. Reservations are now available through Open Table because I want to shove so many people into this fancy feast conundrum that possibly want to go. Reservations um <laughs> Are actually now open they opened up i believe yesterday through open table so that's why it, that's my nomination this week somebody who like looked at a can of cat food and said how can i make a couple million dollars and i also got a tweet from somebody who is a, a big fan of the show his name is giuseppe stromboli he highly offended by this bullshit You're ruining food, and you're gonna make a fuck ton of money. Make my cat food gourmet. I'm (laughs) pretty sure, though, like it's
1: not to steal your Thunderstokes. Oh, my
3: Thunder's done. Please continue. But some
1: some some crazy redneck told me that um the FDA like not the FDA or so like it maybe it's the FDA I don't remember
3: the Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They actually like regulate cat food but yeah. not dog food because like they want cat food to be like human edible for like, you know, fallout mm-hmm. type stuff. So mm-hmm. um cat food is, is safe to eat for humans. It's just why would, why on earth would you do that? Unless you were homeless. It's it's, it's The
3: gabagool. The it's gabagool. The There's no of the fire. crazy cat a ladies in the world.
2: There's no crazy dog ladies in the world. How many people are there that have a hundred dogs? Very few. How many people have like nine cats? A lot.
1: Yeah, I've so lived in
3: a household like that.
2: At a certain point, you just become them.
3: Th- Apparently, th- someone <laughs> has not gone to a junkyard lately. Speaking of a hundred <laughs> strayed rabid dogs, sorry, Cade, continue.
4: No, I was going to say, I, I feel like this chef got this idea from Billy McFarlane.
3: <laughs> oh yeah it's gonna be straight f y r e fire it's gonna be great it's gonna fiery, be fiery
4: fancy <laughs> fancy feast
3: damn right <laughs> I, I mean for fuck's sakes you're opening a can and throwing seasoning on it throwing it into a pan to probably heat it up maybe a little bit of oil like your total cost for that thing maybe a buck 75 maybe with today's prices holy shit Just- Stoats, it's not fraud. It's just false
0: advertising. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck
0: uh, out of that bullshit.
3: <laughs> Goddamn, we're going to have a fire festival special, I think. All right. I'm tired of selecting who this week's loser is. Gentlemen, who do we think this week's big loser is? Ryan. I was going to call you one by one, but go for it. All right. <laughs> is Step Brothers take...
1: Um... What? there was a lot of stuff he, he said
4: he made <laughs> he made another statement earlier that someone said like is that loss number two and i was gonna put it in the chat i can't remember what he said but yeah the stepbrothers sure. thing is is i'll get on the ryan
2: thing. training you guys i'll vote for
3: him. all right all right because sorry, now we're ryan. we're a democracy ryan sorry to say you're this week's big loser and since you won't be with us next week uh it we're, we're gonna stack two uh, losses up on you for when you come back in uh a couple of weeks on August the 20th, so sorry, but what do you have to say for yourself? I apologize to absolutely fucking no one. oh my God, get the fuck out of here
1: Wow no, I, su- I, I support, support this bastard. At, least, at least stand by your shit you know
0: listen sure. my stepbrother's take I stand by it Cade caller but I don't give a fuck.
1: Oh that's, oh,
4: that's what that. it was. That's a, that's a that's a fantasy thing. I'm not doing that here.
1: Fa- I'm not losing in fantasy. He no. has to call her on the podcast.
3: No. <laughs> no. I'm not no I'm not calling.
1: I'm not.
4: First of all, I don't have her number. Second of all, I'm not trying.
3: You can call people on
0: Facebook. It's fine.
4: I'm, no. Oh, fuck.
3: All right. Well, this this went downhill. I thought <laughs> let's make it a, a democracy and let's see what the fuck happens. It, oh again, I I apologize to absolutely fucking no one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Guns pointed at everybody. All right. All right. We apologize that you had to join us for this fucking episode of Plaster Negotiations. And again, nothing that we said was legally binding other than the finger guns that Cade just did to everybody. Next week, uh, we will do a Bit more topics, a lot more adult beverages, and unfortunately, this week's loser won't be here. Um, but you know he has to do double. I can and absolutely,
1: actually, I can absolutely find us a fifth.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, we could roll with four. We could roll with five. Whatever.
1: So, we
2: roll
3: four. Either way. Yeah. roll Either four, man. Way. Either way. So, have a great week. Twenty-one means twenty-one designated driver, and above all else. Don't call your ex and profess your feelings when you're totally shithoused tonight. <laughs> On behalf of Jeremy Phelps, Cade Weilamoff, our designated debater, Caleb McChesney. He's calling me our- Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly. He's got next week. Kelly, He's got next Kelly. week. Kelly. Yeah, I don't care. I'll do a shot anytime. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> all right, fine. I'll be doing a shot of Jepson's Malort in, in Ryan's Kelly. honor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll do that. But he has to do double when he comes back. Yep, absolutely. But, Deal. Yeah. And then, you know, Ryan's not going to be here next week. So why even mention his name? But above all else, be good people. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.